The Daily Rios, episode 447, Timeline Tuesday for January 2019. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter. It's a new year, so we start the cycle again, taking a look at some comics history, this time focusing on the month of January. As, as I said, as we start the new cycle, it is, as I'm recording this, January 29th of the new year. So I'm going to take a look back 10 years, 25 years, and 50 years ago and spotlight some first issues, some final issues, some major standouts within certain titles or for certain characters, maybe even some creator tidbits. All of this uh, relating to the month of January, not as cover dates, but as release dates as far as my research allows. So again, I'm trying to focus on things that actually hit the stands in the month that we are discussing. Now, obviously, I would like to do this at the start of the month, so that way you have something to look forward to as the month progresses, but, you know, sometimes time just gets away from me. So I have to, uh, you know, catch up at the end of the month, and that's okay. So let's jump in. Ten years ago, January 2009. January 14th, Marvel Comics is releasing a special issue of The Amazing Spider-Man, featuring the web-slinger and a character with a likeness to Barack Obama. Why? The president-elect is a Spidey fan. Wow, this, this, is, this has got to be the coolest moment. The future commander-in-chief of our country is actually uh, the future nerd-in-chief. Uh, uh, you know, we have a geek in the White House. It's not the first time a president has been featured in a comic book, but it is the first time Marvel has put a president-elect on the cover. Ah, what a time back then, right? When the world made sense, and there was hope, and there was change, when things weren't so crazy. <laughs> and that brought us Amazing Spider-Man issue 583, where one of the variants featured, at that time, President Obama. And it was a variant cover by Phil Jimenez, and that particular issue went into multiple printings. It was a backup tale where Spider-Man met the president, and that was by Zeb Wells, Todd Nock, Frank D'Armada, and it featured the chameleon trying to impersonate Obama during his inauguration. Now, that was not Obama's first appearance in a comic, but it was one of the more major appearances I can remember getting seeing some major news coverage for the issue, and um, I'm a big fan of Phil Jimenez, so I certainly wanted that cover. I don't have it. I, I think I tried looking for it at the time, and I wanted the variant cover, not one of the second prints, third prints, or whatever, and I could never find it. So, um, so that was 10 years ago. Also 10 years ago, X Factor 39 by Peter David, Valentine Delandro, Craig Young, Jeremy Cox, and others. At this time, Siren, who is the daughter of Banshee from the X-Men, was having a baby, and the father was Jamie Madrox, and this was the issue where she gave birth. And it was also the issue that when Jamie was holding the baby, and remember, Jamie is the multiple man, right? So he can create duplicates of himself and he can then absorb them back into his body when he's done with them. Well, he's holding the baby, and he starts to absorb it. And he absorbs it completely. 
I don't know the outcome of it. I just remember at that time, I think I was listening to the Uncanny X-Cast, and they were talking about it. So uh, I checked that issue out. I wasn't a big follower of X-Factor, but I remember that run being somewhat, you know, a fan favorite or maybe even a cult favorite. And yeah, that was pretty controversial at the time, or at least not con- not controversial, but just something that people were talking about. Also 10 years ago, DC was going through a theme called Faces of Evil, where some of the villains of their titles were taking over either the book or at least the cover, and then they had a few one-shots, including Deathstroke, Cobra, Prometheus, and Solomon Grundy. It was kind of related to the end of Final Crisis in a way, uh, but it was just one of those theme things that they would do every now and then. Ten years ago, we would also get a bunch of first issues, including Black Lightning Year One, issue one of six, Batman Brave and the Bold number one, which was a young reader's comic based on the cartoon that would last 22 issues. Dark Avengers number one would spin out of Secret uh, Secret Invasion, and that featured Norman Osborn as the Iron Patriot, and also the various members of the Thunderbolts, but in the personas of an Avenger. So you would have Moonstone as Ms. Marvel, uh, Bullseye was Hawkeye, uh, Dokken was Wolverine, etc. This would run for 16 issues, and it was written by Bendis and mostly drawn by Mike Diodato. We also had the first issue of Punisher, also ran running for 16 issues. This was by Rick Remender, Jerome Pena, Tang Eng Huat, Tony Moore, this was a series that would eventually give us Frankencastle. Remember that? When the Punisher, I believe, was chopped up and brought back to existence, I think. I never read it. But that team of Rick Remender and Tony Moore, or Rick Remender and Jerome Pena, is pretty important because we would get later titles from them. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of Uncanny X-Force by Remender and Pena, which was great. Remender and Tony Moore worked on a Venom series featuring uh, Flash Thompson that I enjoyed for the first couple issues. And of course, all of them have uh, experience on the book Fear Agent. So that was 10 years ago this month, Punisher number one. We had a bunch of final issues. Manhunter 38 was the final issue of that run by writer Mark Andreco and a bunch of artists, featuring the adventures of Kate Spencer. Her costume was a mix of a Dark Star suit, gloves that were from Asbats, Asriel, as his time as Batman, uh, I believe a Manhunter staff and a bunch of other things. Now, this was the final issue at the time. It would go on a hiatus for a while, and eventually there would be a campaign to bring it back although I think it only came back for about 10 issues or so. Also 10 years ago, in the month of January, the final issue of Legion of Superheroes, issue number 50, credited to the writer, Justin Time. That's right, it sounds exactly like I said, Justin Time, or Just In Time. Apparently that's a name given to comics when a writer, or maybe multiple writers, are trying to fast-track a book. 
Jim Shooter was the writer up until that time, so I don't know if it was his script that they were working on or not. The penciler was uh, Ramon Box, inker John Livesey, colorist Jonathan Smith. Uh, this featured the three-boot Legion. So not the original Legion, not the Legion after Zero, zero Hour, but the Legion that would exist that started with Mark Wade and Barry Kitson. This Legion was also appearing in Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds at the time, and this is the last time we will see that version in their own series, although they would pop up every now and then. And now we jump 25 years ago to January 1994. Weddings are so totally cool. That all depends on your point of view, Shell. A joyous day, long in coming. The joys of marriage are the heaven on earth, life's paradise, the soul's quiet sinews of concord, earthly immortality. John Ford, 1630. For my first two X-Men, I pray it is so. If you don't make her happy, don't let me find out. It's always fun to take a look back 10 years ago, but I'm finding now that we are in the early 90s, 25 years ago, uh, we're getting things that I am fondly remembering either because this was a heyday of some of my comics reading, even though I cut my teeth on 80s comics. Um, the 90s brought us a ton of different events or a ton of different um, situations that were purely for shock value. Um, it was just... <laughs> You know, the 90s were a time, right? So I'm really digging uh, that I'm able to spotlight some of this stuff. So we start off with X-Men 30, which was The Wedding of Cyclops and Jean Grey, written by Fabian Nicieza, pencils by Andy Kubert, inks were Matt Ryan, colors by Joe Rosas, uh, and letterer Bill Oakley. And as I, as I was flipping through the issue again, trying to see if there was anything else that was kind of monumental at the time, um, no, it was pretty straightforward. They let the wedding happen, and, and that was kind of it, you know. There's some good character stuff. The artwork is, uh, <laughs> not very refined, as I remembered it. Um, you know, it's fine. It's that very kinetic feeling that the 90s had, but, uh, uh, yeah. So, the wedding. The wedding of Cyclops and Jean Grey. Also, Green Lantern 50, we've been talking about this for a while, for the past two Timeline Tuesdays, uh, we have Green Lantern 50, The Birth of Parallax, How Jordan Has Now Finally Become Parallax. This is by Ron Mars, and art by Daryl Banks. This was the first time that he would put pencils on this title, inks by Romeo Tangle. This is Hal versus Sinestro, The Death of Kilowog, the destruction of the Guardians and the power battery, the birth of Parallax, as I said, uh, Ganthet as one of the main Guardians, and then Kyle Rayner finally gets his ring. It is not the first appearance of Kyle, but it is the one where he becomes Green Lantern for the first time. Also from DC, Power of Shazam, an original hardcover written and painted by Jerry Ordway. This was another origin for the Fawcett character of Captain Marvel. We already had a new origin 
back um, in 86 or 87, spinning out of the Legends event, and that was by Roy Thomas and Tom Mandrake. So this origin would retcon that origin, which was also a retcon. Um, this would eventually be followed by an ongoing series also titled The Power of Shazam, which would run for 47-plus issues. Oddly enough, I've never read this hardcover. I've read maybe four to six issues of the series, but I've never read this hardcover, which kind of boggles my mind, because at the time, um, I can remember it being not, not necessarily a big thing, but it certainly was a value that they were putting out a hardcover, an original hardcover for this character, which, as I said, would eventually be used to spin off a series. So um, that's kind of cool. So that maybe I should try reading that sometime. Over at uh, Marvel, we had Silver Surfer number 90, and a character named Legacy makes an appearance. I believe he also showed up in issue 89. This character first appeared in August of 1993 in Silver Surfer Annual 6, and he is none other than the child of the original Captain Marvel, the, the Captain Marvel known as Captain Marvel, right? Now, this character has since been changed. Uh, he took on the Captain Marvel title at some point, and then I think he became Photon, and then I think he went bad or went crazy. I believe he's dead at this point. But the way that Marvel is practically eliminating any kind of um, mention of the original Captain Marvel in favor of Carol Danvers, uh, I don't believe this character will be making a return anytime soon. But um, the Peter David run that he was featured in with artist Chris Cross and a bunch of other artists, uh, I really liked that. Uh, I liked the character. I liked his legacy. And... Um, you know, I know Marvel was trying to make, uh, this new Captain Marvel a thing. Obviously she's getting a movie, etc. But, um, even before, uh, Legacy, even before, I think his name is Janice, Janice Val, um, you know, my Captain Marvel, Marvel was Monica Rambeau in the eighties. And, uh, you know, this is a sidetrack, but I kind of feel like, uh, you know, especially with the trailer of the new Captain Marvel movie, um, they're clearly making the mother of Monica Rambeau be a sidekick to Carol Danvers, much in the same way that James Rhodes is a sidekick to Tony Stark. And I feel like, hmm, Marvel kind of punked out, you know? They could have had a Captain Marvel that uh, was black and also a woman, but was black, and they could have had Carol Danvers be the sidekick. And then eventually maybe she took over, but you know, tired of seeing white characters with black sidekicks in all these Marvel movies, uh, you know, and they're try trying to champion this whole, hey, we finally got a female-led movie, you know, after 20-some movies. And it's just the same old, same old, you know. But um, as I said, my Captain Marvel was Monica Rambeau in the 80s, and, uh, you know, once they brought the son of Captain Marvel, they gave him a new name, Legacy. It didn't stick after a while. I believe Cap uh, Monica Rambeau also was called Photon at one point, and I believe she's called something else now. But um, anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent there, but I wanted to get that out of my system. Okay, let's continue. Swamp Thing 140, 25 years ago in the month of January 1994, 
This would feature a storyline by Grant Morrison and Phil Hester. Morrison just finished up his Doom Patrol run and the Sebastian Zero miniseries, and he's about ready to start Invisibles in another couple of months. This story arc lasted from issue 140 through 143. At least that's that was Morrison's um, contribution to that story and that title. But this is also the story and the issue that brought Mark M- Miller to U.S. Comics. Uh, he was working with Morrison for a while in the U.K. I, I believe he interviewed Morrison, and that's how they got connected And uh, he brought him over to do, I think Miller was doing some Sonic comics also (laughs) at this point, Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, But yes, Grant Morrison brings Mark Miller to U.S. Comics with Swamp Thing number 140, a move that he probably regrets considering they had a falling out eventually. They would work on JLA, a couple issues of JLA, they would work on The Flash, they would work on Aztec, but this was their initial collaboration. All right, also 25 years ago for the month of January, a couple other things here. We had the first issue of Jim Starlin's Breed, the first issue of Beavis and Budhead, uh, the first issue of Rune, and the first issue of Wraith. Uh, Guy Gardner would change to become The Warrior with Guy Gardner 17. And we had a, a couple final issues. Alpha Flight 130 was the final issue of that long run. And Mark Spector, Moon Knight, would end with issue number 60. I also have to put an addendum here for this 25 years ago. I want to take a look back at October, October 1993. We had uh, Green Arrow number 80. That was Mike Grell's final issue as a writer. And then with issue 81, there was a start of a story called Crossroads, Jim Aparo was on art, and it had a bunch of writers. Um, Eventually, this would all lead to a storyline called Where Angels Fear to Tread, and eventually it would lead all the way up to issue 100. So in the month of January 1994, we are up to Green Arrow issue 83. But I wanted to make mention of, you know, Mike Rell's long run with the character, and this new, um, this new place that they were taking Ollie Queen, probably, uh, you know, inspired by what was going on, going on with Hal Jordan and Green Lantern, and eventually we will see some other things throughout 1994. Okay, let's jump to 50 years ago, January of 1969. I know you want to hand the nation over to this prince who could not keep his own father safe. We will not have it. I said we will not have it, oh. I, Mbaku, leader of the Jabari with... I accept your challenge, Mbaku. Glory to Hanuman. Just as we look back in the 90s, and, and there's a bunch of fun things to kind of uh, remember, the cool thing about going back to 50 years ago and the late 60s, or all of the 60s, is all of this Marvel stuff that um, 
is hitting 50 years and how the Marvel Universe slowly grew, you know, from 1961, 62, 63, and onward. Those first 10 years of Marvel, you know, uh, obviously uh, the house that Stan built, right? The house that Stan and Jack and Steve and uh, Don and Jean and, um, geez, who am I forgetting? Probably so many others. Um, so what I'm going to look at first is Avengers 62, featuring the first appearance of Manape, Mumbaku, in a, in a story called The Monarch and the Manape. Uh, this was when Black Panther was running around with the Avengers. This is by Roy Thomas and John Buscema and uh, inker George Klein, letter Artie Semek. Uh, first appearance of the Manape as he tries to take over Wakanda and battles the Black Panther to try to do that. So certainly an important character if you consider... Uh, how much attention the Black Panther movie has gotten over the past year. This is also the first appearance in X-Men 54 of Alex Summers, who would eventually become Havoc, the brother of Cyclops. This is by Arnold Drake and Don Heck and Vince Coletta, letterer Gene Izzo. Curiously enough, uh, Havoc makes his first appearance a few months after Polaris, so I didn't know that. Uh, even though I mentioned Polaris's first appearance a bunch of months ago, um, I thought Havoc had already been, been seen, but I guess not. So yeah, 50 years ago, we got uh, the first appearance of Alex Summers. Over in Captain America 112, this will be Captain America co-creator Jack Kirby's last issue as artist until he returns with Captain America 193, in late 1975 uh, as writer, artist, and editor. So that's a good number of years that he's away from the character that he created. Iron Man 12, we had uh, the first appearance of The Controller in a story called The Coming of the Controller by Archie Goodwin, George Tuska, Johnny Craig, Artie Simic again. Batman 210 is a story featuring Catwoman in a new suit designed by Frank Robbins, this is the, hmm, it's kind of swashbuckling. It's blue, light blue, light blue leggings. She has a collar. It is not the purple swashbuckling one that has the uh, split skirt. And I think it's purple and green, right, where she has the whip. That's the one that took us through the 70s and the 80s. This is the one after her suit that was inspired by the move, uh, the TV series. So this was um, Batman 210. We would see this suit when she would go up against Wonder Woman for a couple issues. Um, mostly I'm spotlighting this because I didn't have anything else for DC for 50 years ago. As much as I went through all of their stuff, this was the only thing that kind of stood out, unless I'm missing something. And that actually brings us to the end of this Timeline Tuesday. I do not have anything for 75 years ago. Again, nothing really jumped out at me unless I'm missing something. By all means, let me know what you think, or if you know of anything that I missed that I should mention. These are always fun episodes for me, uh, because I'm able to look back and see uh, what was going on and how certain concepts got developed, and I can put it in my brain and kind of go, oh, okay, I see. I see where this fits, and I see where that fits. And as I said, it could also be a way to maybe go, hmm, maybe I should read that, such, a, such as Power of Shazam. Maybe I should read, read that for once. 
So let me know what this episode uh, brought to you as you listened. You can email me at peter at thedailyrios.com or leave a comment at the website thedailyrios.com or follow me on Twitter at Peter J. Rios. This has been The Daily Rios, episode 447. Depending where you are, stay warm, and we'll talk to you soon.